Hey church, my name's Aubrey, um, and tonight's Bible reading comes from Galatians chapter 6, and it starts at verse 1. So I'll give you a moment to open your Bibles. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. It's public holiday. Everyone, we should be relaxed. And the sun's still out, sort of. Did anyone sleep in this morning? Yes? Is anyone excited about the Raiders winning tonight? No. I am, personally. Not since 94. Anyway... Tonight, we're going to be thinking, we're going to continue our series on attitudes that build community. Last week, Miles talked about being faithful. Next week, we're going to talk about patience from Ephesians. But tonight, we're thinking about being supportive, building each other up. So as we look through these six verses of Galatians that were just read to us, I'm going to ask that God is actually going to speak to us uh, as we look through. So will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you that we can come together. Uh, as a church community tonight, and Lord, as we look at your word, Father, we ask that you would graciously speak to us, and more than that, Lord, imprint your word in our heart, convict us of its truth, and Lord, help us to enact it by the strength of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you uh, about when I, a time when I was in year seven. And I wish I had a photo to show you uh, of me in year seven. It's pretty awkward. Um, but we, I went on one of these five-day hikes. Uh, we, uh, we went through Mount Kosciuszko National Park, and it was awesome. It was one of these things where you have to carry your tent, your pack, your food, and you have to train in advance and prepare. And I got this old pack that my dad had, and it was metal, and it wasn't light at all, and it was falling apart, and... It was, you know, it was pretty painful. But I don't know, has anyone ever been on one of these hikes before? Yeah? And you prepare yourselves and you put all this weight on your back and you travel out. So we went in a high school group, there was about 15 of us. And in the group there were all sorts of people, experienced people, there was um, uh, older kids, younger kids. And for me, uh, there was me and there was also this other kid. And this other kid was the very loud kid in the group. He was always talking, always saying things, always saying how good he was, you know. Uh, 
And as we started the hike the first day, he was like, oh, I'm going to beat you all, I'm going to go faster. But he started slowing down and he started complaining. And he really struggled. And by the second day, this is second day in five days, we're in the middle of the bush, he choked. He just couldn't get any further. And we got to that point where he was just sitting down in the dirt crying, I can't go on. And I'm glad I wasn't leading that at that time. Um, but I remember think, thinking, what do we do? Do we leave him? Just leave him? His parents probably wouldn't be happy. Probably not ideal for a number of reasons. Um, do we keep on going? What do we do? Do we carry him? How does this work? What do we do? Do we all leave? It came down to the biggest issue was it was just too heavy to pack for him. So what we decided was we're going to have to take the weight out of his pack and divide that weight evenly between us to make that, take that burden off so that he can go on. We did that because we actually went as a group, as a team. And we did that because we were committed that all of us are going to get to the destination that we're going in. And we're looking through uh, this book of Galatians. Uh, and as we do that, as we come together tonight, we come together as a community, a community of Fig Tree Anglican. And by the way, if you're new or visiting or from out of town for the weekend or something, welcome. Uh, I'm also, it's awesome that you can join our community here. But for us as a community, we have three things in common. Number one, we're all sinners. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's a positive way to start, you know, of all the things we have in common, we all sin. What does this mean? We as a church, we all rebel against God, but we all do it. We as a church, we are not a corporation. There is, we're an organization, Ian's our leader, but what the thing that sin does, it means that we're all equal. We're all equal and that we all fall short of God's glory. No one here is better than the other person when it comes to sin. We all sin. We all rebel against God. It's, it's something we all have in common. It means we're all in the same place of needing to be rescued by God. But as a community, we come together because we actually believe this gospel, that God sent Jesus and through his death and resurrection, we are forgiven from our sins and we have relationship with God. We're saved by faith, nothing else. We have that in common. And our destination is eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life, we talked a couple of weeks ago, is living forever, but it's a relationship with God. Our community is based around us encouraging each other to keep standing firm in our relationship with God, keep on trusting God with our hope for eternity. That's why we all come together. It's the main task for all of us. It's not just the job of Ian. It's not just the job of the staff of the church. It's not just the job of the parish council, the elders. It's all our responsibility. All our responsibility is part of that team is to say, we actually need to get uh, each other to that destination, um, to that point of presenting each other holy and godly uh, before God. And as we look through the book of Galatians, uh, it's an awesome book. It's one of my favourite books. I even have a verse tattooed on my shoulder from Galatians because I love it. But it's this fascinating book. Paul planted the church in Galatia. He built into them. He spent time with them. He led people to Christ. And then Paul had to leave because that's what he did. He planted churches and he moved on. But he would keep up with them in letters. 
as Paul had left, some others had come into the church and started teaching different things to what Paul had taught and started teaching, uh, putting Paul down. They were teaching that the Galatians weren't just saved through only trusting in Jesus. They were saying that to be saved, you have to trust in Jesus and you have to follow the Jewish laws, specifically uh, the Ten Commandments and especially things like circumcision. You are only a Christian if you trust in Jesus and do these things. And Galatians, the first four chapters of Galatians, is all uh, Paul saying, you guys have got it totally wrong. Look at this in verse uh, in chapter 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See, as a group, they've gone astray. Maybe like our hiking group could have. But Paul's saying, no, 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 come back. And you read Galatians and Paul gets feisty in those first four chapters. Guys, you've got it wrong. And he, exp- he even says at one point, you foolish Galatians. But he, he explains uh, and he goes through and explains why they've got it wrong. It's only through trusting Christ. Just in prepping after this sermon, I read through Galatians in one go the other day and it was awesome. I was personally deeply encouraged. Be reminded again, it's nothing I do. That makes me right with God. It's only what Jesus has done for us. Uh, so Paul uh, goes through, uh, explains that to them, and towards the end of chapter 5, he talks about freedom in Christ, he talks about what it means to live in the Spirit, and then he brings us to this last chapter, chapter 6. So we're going to look through some verses. Thinking for the Galatians, what does that mean to live in community? What does it mean to live are together individually and in community. So that's what we're going to have a look at this morning. And sorry, this uh, tonight. It's a long day. And we're going to be thinking through some of the attitudes that will help us develop as a community, help us get each other on the destination. And he starts here. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Tonight's sermon, we're getting straight into it here. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, when I look at this verse, it makes me ask questions. What does it mean to be caught in a sin? What does that mean? What does it mean to... What sin should I restore in somebody? Should I just walk around at church and ask people what their sins are and try to restore every person? Is that how I relate to people all the time? What if that sin was damaging to me and I'm hurt? Does that mean I need to go restore? And what does this you who are spiritual mean? What is that all about? Let me, let me try to answer some of these. Uh, Paul is sort of saying, when he's talking about someone caught in a sin, I think what he's talking about is habitual, a behavior, a pattern that has developed. Sin is anything we do, Paul talks about this in chapter 5, but anything we do that says, you know what, instead of putting God number one, instead of fully trusting in God for my life, I'm going to trust in someone or I'm going to trust in something else and I'm going to put that above God. Any behaviour, anything that I think I need to get through life, to make me happy, anything I depend on, that's not God. It's sin. And Paul's saying, someone caught in a sin is someone who's getting caught in habitually trusting in something that they shouldn't be trusting in, something that's not 
God. And as a community, they've said as a community, we want to trust in God, we value that. But if we're habitually getting caught in that, we need to restore each other. Um, The spiritual person probably is someone who has the Holy Spirit, probably someone who uh, is full of the Spirit. Uh, Paul talks about that in chapter 5. But someone who is mature in Christ. So he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Part of the attitudes for us is going to build community is this recognition we all fall short. But it's also a recognition that we actually as a community need to look to restoring each other. Need to actually look at recognising, yeah, we actually do all fall short. What, how do we as a community continue to encourage to restore each other to do that? And do it gently. I love, maybe the model for us is, is the Holy Spirit. I don't know, maybe it's just me, if you've ever sinned or you've ever done something you shouldn't do. How does the Holy Spirit work? Does, he, does Ian get a vision of Langdon's sin and then Ian calls me up? I'm, I'm glad it doesn't work like that. You know, the Holy Spirit's at work. Langdon's sitting, Ian, the pastor, gets a vision and calls us up. I see what you're doing wrong. Is that how the Holy Spirit works? Does the Holy Spirit write a Facebook post? Look at all the sin and make it public. Often the Holy Spirit is very gentle, isn't he? Just quietly will nudge us or put a, a sense in us or we'll read some of God's Word and go, oh. Sometimes we'll feel that conviction and we're not even sure what it is, but we know something's not right. The Holy Spirit's very gentle. And I think that's a good model for us. If we're going to encourage each other, restore each other, gently, 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 very gently. But the emphasis of this verse is actually not on the sin, it's on those who restore the person because there's a big danger. Watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. The emphasis on this verse is not so much on the, uh, as I said, on the sin, uh, but the person restoring him. We have to remember that we too are not sinless. We too also sin. We also get tempted. Maybe that person where encouraging to restore is caught in a sin that we go, I would never do that. It's not a temptation for us whatsoever. I would never do that. And our, t- and our, uh, our temptation is we can go, oh, I must be better than that person because I clearly don't struggle with that issue. That's clearly, n- in fact, that doesn't even make sense to me. That person must be immature. What am I doing? I'm putting myself above that person. I'm forgetting, I'm thinking that I'm better. I'm forgetting that I too have struggles, have temptations. They may be different. The temptation is to think that I'm better than those people. It's easy to be judgmental. Sometimes the temptation might be the same area that they're in. I might need the wisdom to say, actually, I'm not going to help that person. Maybe it's someone that it's not helpful for me to be around. Maybe it's someone to be working intimately with. Uh, Maybe it's someone of the opposite sex or something like that. But this attitude of restoring, do we look to condemn people or do we look to restore people uh, from sin? The question I have to ask as I read this too is, what if someone came to me? What if someone came to me and said, Langdon... There's an issue I want to talk to you about. 
what would my attitude be? What if someone came to you? Would you receive it? Would you be open to listening? I like to think I would. I'd have to ask someone who's done it to me before, do I receive that? But that's a question. Do we value that enough that if someone was to come to us, would we be open to it? Some people actually think by personality are prone to receiving advice, receiving uh, things. Sometimes we can heap stuff on them and actually be a burden. Some of us, though, we don't have any space in our lives for anyone to come and talk to us, to actually share. If they saw something, some of us block people out from speaking truth into our lives. We actually do that. Sometimes, though, we can prejudge ourselves. Sometimes if we get caught in a sin, we actually block each other off from people. I used to go to New Zealand regularly, work with a team there. We had this amazing girl that we would work with uh, doing evangelism. Every time she shared the gospel with someone, it was off the charts. People would just give their lives to Christ. It, was just, it didn't make sense, but it was amazing. She was just a really awesome girl. We were doing, we went over to do some training and we called her and called her and didn't hear from her. We didn't hear from her for over two years. She had just totally lost contact with us. And when we find, and I would be calling, 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 wouldn't answer, wouldn't. We found out that she had gone to a nightclub one night, she'd met a guy, things went on in the night and she ended up getting pregnant. Now, that wasn't a value for the community and the church that she was in. She'd done something, she'd made a mistake, she'd some, done something she, couldn't have, she didn't do, but she didn't give a chance for her church community and for us to love her and restore her. She prejudged herself and she blocked herself off. Maybe, I don't know, maybe she did tell people and they rejected her. The reason people will often do that is they've had a bad experience in the past. They have put themselves out and they've been totally burned and I totally get that. But it was really sad because we wanted to love her and we kept on chasing her down. And by the way, uh, she got restored. She's, got two, she's an amazing mum. She's got these beautiful kids. She's with that guy. Like it, it all turns out beautifully. But there's a sense of this blocking out. I, I, I don't want to be around people that can restore me. Let's be a community. I know saying this can raise all sorts of things, but I say this to say, as we read this word, let's be a community that looks to restore each other. Yeah, we've got stuff to deal with. Yes, sin brings up issues, but let's look to restoring each other. Paul moves on. He says, goes on. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is what we're called to do to carry each other's burdens. Like going on that hike, taking uh, that pack, taking that weight. And the thing with carrying each other's burdens is sometimes we can carry each other's burdens by saying, I'll give, to help you, I'll give my spare. I'll give the surplus I've already got and I'll help you with the surplus I've got. I will give you uh, only the things that I have spare. Carrying each other's burdens means taking the burdens ourselves. It means saying if we're going to help restore someone, if we're going to help people in life, if we're going to help our community, it's going to cost us. Not just the, the spare bits we've already got, but being serious about uh, this is actually about it's going to cost us. Uh, 
it's going to fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says what that is in verse 5. He reminds us, the law is summed up, as Jesus says, the law is summed up in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love each other. What does that look like for us as a community? We have to recognize that as a community, we have, these, we have burdens. We actually need each other. Do you realize, in our very community, 6 p.m., Victory Anglican Church, not all of us are wealthy and have the ability to pay our bills each week. Not all of us even have enough to eat each week. Not all of us have emotional support. Not all of us here just have someone to hug. Not all of us have someone to go home to at the end of the night. Not all of us ever have someone that's going to ask us how our day was. Not all of us even have homes. Not all of us even have friends or people that would simply just want to have a coffee with us. Not all of us have a ride to church even. Not all of us have it all together. Not all of us are happy. Not all of us have perfect marriages. Not all of us have marriages. And not all of us have families. Not all of us have a clue to get through life. Not all of us have the tools to cope with pain. Not all of us even know all the time if God's even there. We actually need each other. As that famous song from High School Musical said, we're all in this together. We actually need each other. It's why we as a church, we have our goals. One of the goals we talked about is everyone relating. And we designed a cool question. We want us to keep in the front of our minds all the time, when we're going through our week, but especially when we're at church, have I tried to make someone feel known this week? Have I tried to make someone feel known this week? How would I know what someone's burdens are to carry their burdens if I don't even know what the burdens are? How can I carry someone's burdens if I don't even know what their burdens are? How would we know if we don't even ask? How would we get an answer if we don't even have a relationship or have built trust with a person? How can we get that honest answer if we haven't spent time with that person in the first place? We all have burdens, don't we? We have, as much as we need to ask people to seek their burdens, if someone asks us, are we willing to share how things are really going? Have we got safe spaces? Have we got people in this community that we can go, actually, I'm in a space, I need some help. We all need that. I need that. Ian needs that. The staff needs that. We all need that. We value this as a community. We do do this. But we need to do this regularly. I meet with a group of guys uh, every week or two, and we've done this for a number of years, and we just get low down and dirty. Here's how things are going. I need their prayer. We, I need their encouragement. Find a space in our community that we look out for each other. Paul goes on. He says, If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one needs to test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Paul is going on, he's putting the emphasis back on those doing the restoring, not the person caught in their sin. But again, it's a reminder that if we're in the business of helping people, of restoring people, of carrying each other's burdens, we need to not get in the danger of thinking that we're better than that person. We may not say it out loud, yeah, I'm better than that person, but I think there is a danger. In fact, if we are, also, you know, it's a great thing to be on the lookout. How can I help people? How can I 
point people to Jesus? How can I restore people? It's a great thing. But one of the dangers is if we're always looking at how we can restore others, if how we can carry, sometimes we forget our own sin. Sometimes we can actually forget, I'm busy trying to do this good stuff, but I'm forgetting there's areas that maybe I'm not trusting in God. Maybe I'm letting uh, God down. Uh, Jesus says this, this, this great word in Matthew's Gospel. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The danger for us is that we take pride. But we need to continue to remember our own place in that. Paul goes on in verse 6. He talks about remembering to support. It's a little sidestep he takes. Uh, But in this theme of, of carrying each other's burdens, don't forget to support those who bring the word to you. Don't forget to support your pastor. Don't forget to support your ministers. Now, it's a bit weird for me to get up and say this. Well, it's not weird. It's God's word, so it's we're going through. Um, it's also an interesting time. Did anyone see a current affair this week? Talking about a certain church in Sydney. Um, we see, you know, and, and making accusations that maybe they're giving too much uh, to support their minister. But it's a real encouragement. As your church leaders, as people in your church who serve you, bring the word to you, encourage you, don't have an attitude that says, I'm going to look out for those people too. Um, we're really lucky in the Anglican Church. We have a system of wardens and things that helps um, make sure we get looked after. Um, but have an attitude that says, I value the people in my life that are bringing the word to me. I value my life group leaders. I value my youth group leaders. I value those who are working hard. One of the best ways you can encourage those who bring the word to you is share how the word's affecting you. Share something that you learned. Um, we love, we read care cards uh, that people write uh, on a Monday. And one of the things I love to read is when people write, oh, I heard a sermon and I, I read a verse and that have changed me or that challenged me or that affected me and, and made me feel how much God loves me. Don't forget to do that. Paul goes on. Therefore, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul makes uh, this planting, sowing analogy. Uh, A couple of weeks ago I talked about eating a cheeseburger. Mm, Cheeseburger. Um, Does anyone else like cheeseburgers? Do you remember me talking about anyone? No? Oh, can someone... Greg, thank you. Um... What, if I have a cheeseburger every day, what effect will that have on me? It's probably not good. For, yeah, I'll probably get fat. Or if I have five cheeseburgers, it's, you know, it's going to affect me. It's this idea of this planting and sowing and what the harvest is going to come up. If I go and plant tomato seeds, what's going to grow? Tomatoes. If I plant corn seeds, what's going to grow? Yeah. If I spend all the money on my credit card... I will have a bigger debt. It will happen. If I watch Netflix instead of studying for my exam, what's going to happen? I probably won't pass. Me, maybe you if you're smarter than me. If I don't keep feeding my uh, plant, 
or my dog, what's going to happen? I know it's sad, we shouldn't go there. But there's a sense of, if we do things, it's going to have an effect. If I watch porn, it will wreck my relationships. If I drink drive, I will have a crash eventually and hurt myself and others. If I keep on lashing out at people, I will not have, I won't, I'll lose friends. If I try to keep control of the people around me, I will lose control. Uh, It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Uh, from that old Pantene ad. And so this is the law of sowing and reaping. But it plays in... If we uh, sow negative things, things to our flesh, if we sow into our lives, keep on doing things that are going to feed into our flesh, they're going to feed into that that desire for sin, it's going to bear consequences. But it also, in the positive, if we keep on doing things... That are, if we keep on sowing things into our lives uh, that are going to bear positive fruit, uh, it's going to bear that positive fruit. Uh, let me show you this quote. David Platt and Tony Maruda in their commentary say, Choose your field wisely. Sow thoughts and deeds in the spirit. The books you read, the people you're with, the things you do for entertainment, and the thoughts you possess are seeds of sowing. Are they sowing into the flesh? Or the Spirit. When you're sowing in the Spirit, you will reap the rewards of the Spirit-controlled life. When you hear God's Word, you're convicted in action, go and do it. When you focus on God and you get a sense of, oh, I could do something to build in to the community, go and do it. Doing things personally, but also doing things as a community can bear fruit in our community. If we want a community that supports and grows, what are we doing to plant seeds in our community? What are we doing to plant seeds that will please the Spirit into our own lives, that will bear fruit in our community? Paul finishes off. He says, in verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of opportunity. to the family of believers. As a community, anything that we can do to build in to our community. Paul says, as we have opportunity. We can't do everything for every single person, but if we have a chance to support, to carry each other's burdens, to restore, let's do it. We should do it in our community, in Fig Tree, in Farnborough, in Unandera, in Wollongong, but also into our own community, to the church here at Fig Tree. Why? Because if we're going to do it out inwardly, it's going to reflect outwardly. If we're going to get used to doing it ourselves, we're going to be able to do it uh, in the community. Our attitude needs to be, what can I do to keep on building in to our community? What can I do to support, to help us all get to that final destination? What's our part in that? In helping each and every person. Look around. This is not just the job of me or the wardens or PC. We're all in this together. We're all on a journey. And we're all wanting to be pointing each other to completely trust in Jesus, looking forward to that eternal hope. We're all in this together. So therefore, as we have opportunity, we're not, 
we can't do every single thing for every single person, but as we have opportunity, if an opportunity presents itself, do good. Point people to Jesus, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Galatians. Father, we thank you for these verses from Paul that encourage us to have attitudes that build up to community, Lord. Father, we pray that you would enable us to carry each other's burdens. We pray that you'd help us to be careful and to restore each other gently. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to sow seeds that will please the Spirit. We pray it, God, because that's what you did for us on the cross through Jesus. Jesus, you carried our burdens. You carried the burden we couldn't carry our sin. You carried it to the cross. We thank you for that. And let our response be to do that as a community, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.